Well, we are in the final installment of our series we've been in called Open Handed, and I hope that you've received from this series. This has been really personal for me and, and powerful for me. Really, my heart has been that you would know the character and care of your Father God, that, that you would experience His care, that you would know it, that you could expect what to receive from Him. It's this idea of giving and receiving. I have a verse of scripture I want to share with you before we begin. It's found in Psalm 145, and I just love this. I came across this this week, and I was like, I know we need to start with this. It says, the Lord will keep all his promises. Isn't that good? We've been looking a lot at the promises of God, and what you need to know, the Lord will keep his promises. He's faithful in everything he does. The Lord takes good care of all those who fall. He lifts up those who feel helpless. And that's almost switch, switch as he talks to God directly. He says, every living thing looks to you for food. You give it to them exactly when they need it. You open your hand and satisfy the needs of every living creature. See, really, being open-handed isn't about what we do for God. It's what God does for us. God is, we're open-handed because God has been open-handed toward us. And so we've been talking about giving and receiving. We need to recognize that it first started with God. We know what it's like to give and be generous because he was first generous towards us. And in this series, if you've missed a week, I really hope that you will go online and, and try and catch one of the previous weeks because I've tried to systematically show you how God cares for you and what you can expect to receive from him and, and how this principle of giving and receiving works in your life. The reason I want you to do that, because if maybe it's your first time here, and if you're just checking yourself out for the first time today, we're glad you're here. That means a lot that you'd be here. But what I want to talk about, something I mentioned last week, and I just don't want you to get a wrong view or, or think that this is the thrust of the series, that we've been taking some time to build this faith and expect expectation within you. But I want to talk today about tithing. Now, the first week in the series, I mentioned that this was the genesis of the series. What inspired it? Because I was leading a group with my wife at our home, and we had a bunch of people that are leaders and potential to lead in our church, and we were talking about what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to have the character of Christ in our life, what these spiritual disciplines look like. And I asked them this question. I said, when you hear the word tithe, what feelings come up in your body? And they said things like guilt or shame or anxiety, different things like that. And that broke my heart because I realized I maybe taught a lot on the responsibility, but very little on the reward. I hadn't done a good job teaching this subject. And what I didn't tell you is if you were to ask me the feelings that come up in my body when I say that, or maybe what I expected to hear, and I want to share that with you. When I think about tithing, the emotions that I associate with that, first one would be joy. Here's the reason it's a joy for me. You know, we're at the end of the year, We'll send out giving statements at the, you know, in January. And I take a look at what my wife and I have been able to give. That brings a lot of joy in me. It's powerful to see how God has used us to give in this church, to be generous. It's remarkable. It blows my mind. There's joy that comes from that. There's excitement because we've been talking about expectation, right? And I know that because we've been faithful in this area, it's, I talked about the second week about planting seed. We've been planting seed. So we can expect that there's going to be a harvest in this next year, that God's going to be faithful. There's a lot of things that, you know, we don't do right or think areas where I might not be smart enough, but here's what I know. It, it gives me 
security. Security because I'm trusting in God, I'm not just relying on my own intuition, my own intellect, my own strategy, but I'm placing my trust, my confidence in God that he's going to be my provider. It gives me some comfort knowing that my trust is with him, that he will provide, that he will take care of me. So it's these kind of things, this joy or excitement or security or comfort, those are the feelings that I associate with tithing. And the reason I have a table up here is because I wanted to have a conversation with you. I don't want to preach at you today. I really, I wanted to present this like, I can't do this with everybody, but if we were able to, to meet up and we were able to sit down and have a cup of coffee, and probably be coffee because I really don't like doing lunch with people. It's something about like eating and trying to get to know somebody. I just think it's weird. So we'd probably do coffee. And uh, we'd sit down. We'd want to have a conversation. And in the course of conversation, I would maybe ask you, you know, about your life and your faith story. And I love good questions, by the way. But one of my favorite questions is, you know, what are, what are the forces that have shaped your life, that have shaped your personality? So maybe you would ask me, Pastor, I'm curious, what are, what are some of the forces or, or what are some of the practices or spiritual disciplines that have really shaped who you are as a Christian? That's a great question. I tell you, well, there, there's a couple things. One thing I would have to say is, is knowing the person of the Holy Spirit and prayer, that's, that has really shaped me like few things, like knowing the person of the Holy Spirit. That's been a very powerful thing in my life. Uh, I would tell you another one would be church attendance. Just simple, coming to church every week has probably done more to shape my life than, than even reading the Bible, if I'm honest. Reading the Bible has been powerful, but I'll tell you why. Because growing up, there were a lot of times I didn't read the Bible. But if I came to church, God would use the message or the scripture that was preached to shape my life. And so I'd probably tell you that church attendance has been another thing that's been big for me. And I would definitely tell you another thing that's really shaped my life is tithing. Absolutely. Shaped, shaped my life like few things have. I imagine in this conversation, you would say, man, that's interesting. Tell me, tell me about that. Like, maybe you do or maybe you don't. If you do, maybe say, I want to know why you, I know why I do it, but tell me why you do it. Or if you don't, say, I, I want to know why you do it, because that's not a, a thing for me. And so that's, that's the heart that I want to approach this message today. I want to talk to you about why I tithe. And I want you to understand, this is not a message of why you should tithe. I, I want to tell you why I tithe. And I also want to be upfront and say that in sharing this message with you, I recognize that there's people who don't. My hope is that you would just be open to the Holy Spirit, that if this is maybe something that's a gap in your life or something that you've struggled with or maybe something that you just don't know much about, that you would be open to what the Holy Spirit would say to you through this message. Now, I need to I'm going to try and sit down. I'm going to get up a little bit. It's not, I'm not like a sitting preacher very much, but I, I need to explain why this matters, first of all. Because much of the Christian life could be summed up with this phrase, this word, trust. The Christian life is really about trust. Do you agree? And I don't know if you're like me, but most of us have struggled at points to trust God. Have you ever struggled to trust God? If you haven't, you haven't been a Christian very long. If you're a Christ follower, there are going to be times in your life where you struggle in trusting God. The reason I want to talk about this, among other reasons, the reason it matters, is because nothing opens up our heart more to trust God 
in tithing. It is one of the most fundamental and practical steps you can take to grow in your faith. And I bring it up because I know there's a lot of people who are hesitant to take this first step. And I don't know what all the reasons are, but I did make a list of what I think are reasons why people are hesitant to take this step. And before we get into the list, I just want to say uh, I'm making a few assumptions with this list. One of the assumptions is that you're already a Christian. And then an- another reason, uh, an- another assumption is that you, you love God. I-, I say that because every week at our church, we have people that are coming to Christ for the first time, watching online, maybe you're here checking us out. And if that's you, I'm glad you're here. That's, that's part of our mission, to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. So you might be here and you're not a Christ follower, but I'm making some assumptions with the people that, that don't tithe or hesitant to take the step because you, you're a Christian, you love God, but there's, there's some things in your life where you haven't. Maybe one of the reasons are that no one has ever explained to you what tithing is or why it matters. And this is important. In fact, this is just a, a principle, <laughs> this is a good principle for a lot of things. Like in marriage, you can't expect something that has never been expressed. You can't expect something that's never been explained. Like in marriage, I might think that the things that I'm doing are, are things that Marissa appreciates, that I'm showing honor to her, that they're things that demonstrate my love for her. But if she's never taken time to say, hey, when you do this, I like it, or what would be meaningful to me is if you do this, I can't meet a need, I can't meet an expectation that's never been expressed. And so I think there may be some people here that you, you've never heard tithing talked about in a way that made sense. I've never heard the what and the why behind it. So I want to do that today. Um, there, there may be people here who feel like you're not financially able to. And I'm going to answer this one in the message, but I just want to say, if you identify with that one, if you feel that way, I want to assure you, you're not going to get any guilt from me today. It's not going to be any pressure. It's not going to be any shame. But I would say to you, if it's in your heart, if you're like, this is something that I really have in my heart to do, but I just I feel like I'm not able to do it, just know, as your pastor, I want to help you get there. I, I want to give you some support. I want to pray for you. I want to give you some resources today that can help you move that direction. Now, another reason I think people don't is because they, they don't trust the church. I'll talk about that one. Um, some people, they might think, I don't believe that it's biblical or it's required, which if you're new to Christ, that might seem kind of weird because you probably only ever heard tithing talked about in, in the context of, of the church or the Bible. And then the last one would be that your spouse is not supportive or in agreement. Different things like that. So my goal today is not to convince you that you should, but I just want to tell you why I do. And more than anything, what I hope you'll hear from this is you'll hear a pastor who loves you, cares for you, and wants to challenge you to receive more from God. Sound good? Okay. So what is tithing? I'm going to define it. I just listed out some bullet points. It's my language. What is tithing? Tithing is defined as giving God the first 10% of your income. And if you're taking a picture of this or writing this down, I would underscore, circle, highlight that word first, the, the first 10% of your income. Uh, it's returning to God what belongs to him. Throughout scripture, it talks about the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's holy to me. It's given through your local church home. I'll show you, you why in a minute. If you don't have a local church, that's a different question. But if you have a local church, it's given through your local church home. It's an act of obedience toward God. It's an act of worship to God. Tithing says, I trust God, and I recognize that he's my source. 
Everything else is just a resource. So, tithing. The, the, this word tithe, it comes from a Hebrew word, ma'aser, that's the Hebrew word. Tithe and ma'aser literally just mean tenth. When, you, when that word is translated, ma'aser, in the Old Testament, it is translated sometimes tithe, sometimes tenth, or one-tenth. If you look at different translations, you're going to see sometimes tithe, sometimes tenth. I know the word tithe is a little weird. It's actually, as far as I can, I've actually never heard it outside of a church biblical context, but it's a West Saxon Old English word. West Saxon is a dialect of Old English, so, you know, there's derivatives of the English language. They would say, instead of tenth, they would say tida. That changed into tithe. Tithe, literally, just means tenth. And the first time we ever see this word used in Scripture, it's important to look at the first time you see something used because if you've heard me preach before, the first time a subject is mentioned gives insight into understanding what the Bible has to say about that subject. So the first time we ever see the word tithe or one-tenth mentioned in Scripture is in Genesis 14. Here's the context. Abraham, you've probably heard of him, is a well-known figure in the Old Testament. He uh, had a nephew named Lot. At this point in scripture, he's only Abram, not Abraham yet. His nephew Lot was taken captive, and Abraham goes to rescue him. Let's read what happens, Genesis 14, verse 6. It says, Abraham recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he recovered. Other translations say a tithe. Okay, what's the, the point of the story? Well, Melchizedek is an interesting figure. I'm going to talk about him towards the end of this message, but Melchizedek, he, he's only mentioned three times, or he only comes up three times in Scripture. Here in Genesis, he's mentioned again in Psalm 110. That's a Messianic psalm, talking about Jesus Christ. And then in Hebrews, in the New Testament, uh, he's mentioned again, Hebrews chapter 7. And the point of that is Melchizedek, we don't know much about him beyond this text, meaning we don't know his origin, we don't know his ending. He has no beginning, has no end. He's what's referred to in Scripture, and there's other pictures like this, uh, a Christophany. Christophany is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. There's other examples of Christophanies. Bible nerds, you go Google that to see what that, that is. But Melchizedek is a Christophany. Why is that important? Abram gave a tenth to a figure of Christ, a person who represented Jesus. That's important because it's a picture of what happens when we tithe. Not just going to the church, we're honoring Jesus when we tithe. And notice, it was also the first thing Abram did. After he got back, after he, uh, he had all this, he didn't like, okay, I'm going to divide up, oh, I'm going to take care of a lot, oh, I'm going to do this. The first thing he did was he gave one-tenth to Melchizedek, to this Christ figure. It's important because a lot of people, they've only heard about tithing in the context of the Old Testament, and they've heard it in the context of a command or an instruction with the law. I'm going to go way deep into Bible stuff, but stay with me. I'll try to go through it quick. Moses gave the law, right? The Ten Commandments came down from Mount Sinai. 
Well, the law was more than just the Ten Commandments. There's the book of Leviticus, there's the book of Deuteronomy, all these other things. Some of those commands had to do with tithing of a 10% to give it to the Lord. The reason for it, the tithe went to the Levites, the priests, who were in charge of the tabernacle, the place where people worship. God didn't want them having to work. He wanted them fully devoted to the ministry of the Lord, fully devoted to the ministry of the people. So he said, I want you to bring a tithe that's going to take care of the work of the ministry. So that's what they did. But it's not just the law. After the law, you know, after the law was given and the wandering in the wilderness, there was a period of kings. There was King Saul, King David, other kings, the nation of Israel split in two. There was a king called Hezekiah. If you know the Bible history, sometimes the nation of Israel would seek God, sometimes they would turn away from God. Hezekiah was known as a righteous king. He was known as a good king. He instituted a lot of reforms. Uh, the nation of Israel was in idolatry. They, they were turned their back on God. So he says, we're going to seek God. So he got rid of all the idols. He, he got, tore down all the altars. And with all these different reforms that he put in place, Second Chronicles talks about what he did. It says, in addition, he required the people of Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and the Levites so, why? So they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. And when the people of Israel heard these requirements, they complained. They're like, we don't want to do this. No, this is what it says. They responded generously. How? By bringing the, what's it say? First, by bringing the first share of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, all the producing fields, they brought a large quantity. What was it? A tithe, a tenth of all they produced. Okay, so that's period of kings. Well, you know that Israel was taken captive by, you know, uh, invading nations. Babylon came in, took them captive. Nehemiah has a book about after him in the Bible. He went back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. When he went back, what did he do? There's no temple there. He says, hey, if we're going to do this, we need to tithe. So I'm going to have the Levites gather us up. There was, there was no temple. What? But he's saying they're still doing ministry. They're still worshiping God. They're still setting aside the Sabbath. If we want to have God's blessing, if we want to have God's hand, we've got to make sure we're doing this. And then, not just the exile period, there were the prophets that spoke, and you can, we could look at different verses there. Probably the most famous one is in Malachi chapter 3. And the, the point I'm saying is from Genesis to Malachi, in the Old Testament now, you see the tithe not as a law, but as a principle. As a principle. Why is that important? Because sometimes if you ever heard teaching on this in church, the way it's communicated is this is a law, you have to do it, and if you don't do it, you're under a curse. If you don't do it, you're in sin. And I just want to tell you, if you ever heard that, that's not true, okay? And that is not what I'm preaching. And, and, and most of the time, I don't even use the word tithe because it's not clear. What I talk about is first and best, first and best. Now, it's a principle. Now, I do think the 10% the is significant, and I don't have time to get into that, but, but 10 is a number of testing in Scripture, right? Because there were 10 commandments, right? There were 10 plagues on, on Egypt. There were uh, 10, there, Jesus tells the, the parable of the 10 virgins and, and, and the lamps. The 10 is a number of testing. 10 is significant. But while the first time we see 10th in Scripture, one-tenth tithe is in Genesis 14, the first offering we see happens earlier. Genesis chapter 3, let's look at it together. Uh, Adam and Eve had two sons. They're talked about in Scripture. Cain and Abel. It says, Abel became a shepherd. Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented 
some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Look at some. Abel also brought a gift. What did Abel give? The best portions of the firstborn lamb's flock. Which offering did God receive? It says the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. He did not accept Cain and his gift. So I'm just trying to say that there, there's this principle of first and best that's honoring to God. First and best. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Talking specifically about money here. And with the first and best part of all your income. First and best. Every ten, time God gives a command, he gives a promise. There's a promise that comes with it. What happens? Your barns will be full. Your vats will overflow with fresh wine. So you're like, I'm not sure that tithing is really first and best, though. I'm not sure it's first. Just 10. Deuteronomy 14.23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. Okay? So what am I trying to say? Tithing is giving God your first and best. To speak more specifically, the principle is it is your first 10% of your income to God. It's returning to God what belongs to him. We look at different places. The tithe is holy to the Lord. It belongs, he talks about how it belongs to me. It's given through your local church. We see this time and time again. To the tabernacle, to the temple, to the work of the ministry locally with the people. It's an act of obedience. It was an act of worship. It says, I trust God recognize that he's my source, everything else is just a resource. All right, let's talk about what tithing is not, because sometimes the best way to understand what something is is to understand what it isn't. Tithing is not giving to God what you can afford to part with. I'm not saying that's bad. That's giving. Giving is good. I just want you to understand that's not a tithe. Tithing is not seeing how the week goes, how the month goes, how the year goes, and giving God what's left over. I'm not even suggesting to you that that's bad. I'm just saying that's not a tithe. The tithe is first. Tithe is not dues for being part of a church. I mean, hey, if you're going to be part of this church, you've got to give 10%. No, that, that's not what a tithe is. It's not membership dues for being a part of something. Tithing is, is not tipping extra at a restaurant. Tithing is not buying candy bars from the Boy Scouts. Tithing is not donating to a charity that you like. I'll go one step further. Tithing is not giving to other ministries that do the work of the gospel. That's good. You should do that. But sometimes people think, well, okay, I, I tithe. I give you know, 2% to my local church, and I give uh, 3% to this charity that I'm really passionate about, and I give 4% here. No, that's, that's giving, but the tithe belongs to the Lord, given through the local church. Marissa and I, I mentioned this last week, we start, I said we, we hit the 30%, we, we were at 29 point something. That was through the local church. We're actually over 30 with our, we support other ministries, other missions efforts, other charities that, that we think are doing good work. So it's the first and best belongs to the Lord. Okay, first and best. Tithing is not automated giving that never grows with your income. So maybe we talked about automating the process, you know, designating the priority, calculate the percentage, automate the process. But if your giving goes up and your, or your income goes up and your giving never changes, that's not tithing, that's, that's giving. And also tithing is not a, a valuation or a response 
to how well you liked a particular sermon or pastor. Okay, it was a really good sermon today, pastor. I put a little, no, that's not, that's not how this works, okay? Um, so I want to explain why, why I tithe. Let, let me put it to you up front. Why, why do I tithe? Well, when I give God the first 10% of my money, it's a very practical way of saying, God, you're first in my life. So let me explain this. Got an uh, illustration for you here. This is the most expensive illustration I've ever done. Got $1,000, okay? So if this is my income, and let's think about how this goes. All right, I've got my income. Now I've got bills I've got to pay. So, you know, I've got to pay my mortgage. That's pretty important. I've got to pay my, my phone bill. Um, I've got to buy some groceries. Need that. I have, uh, have you know, some, my electric bill. Uh, all, all, you know, cable, credit card. Hopefully you don't, but credit card. And uh, Target. I mean, let's be honest. That's going to be like 200 right there. <laughs> And, um, you know, and I got to have a night out, do some fun stuff. And guess what? I've got $100 left. Is this my tithe? No, it's not. It's 10%, but it's not a tithe. This is a tithe. I've got, I've got $1,000. God, you're first. I'm giving to you first. Now I've got mortgage and savings because I'm living all this I make, and I'm going to get my food. The tithe is first. It's first. And the reason this is important, so why I tithe, because your money represents your time, your energy, your skills, your efforts. So tithing is a very, we talked about putting God first in your life. You said seek first the kingdom of God. Tithing is a very practical way to say, God, you are first in my life. This represents a lot of my life because it's a good portion of the time I spent in the work and all these different things. So I'm saying, God, you're first. It's a very proper way to put God first. It also helps me love God more. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I, I mentioned there are times where trusting God is hard. If you're walked with God for any amount of time, there's things that can shake the foundation of your faith. There's things that can rock your world. Tithing inclines my heart to Jesus. He says, God, I love you. You're first in my life. It keeps my relationship secure. Where you invest in, that's where you're inclined to. It's what you care about. I tithe because I'm supporting the ministry of my church. That's why I do it. Jesus said, I will build my church. You want to know what Jesus was about? He was about building God's church, building his church. And the church is God's plan A. It's what he uses to reach the world. It is the one thing that is going to change destinies, not just here on earth, but for eternity. It's special to Jesus. So when we do it, it supports the ministry. You know, it takes staff and building and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, church is not a building. It's a gathering. But aren't you glad we're not gathering outside today? Right? I'm glad we have this place to gather and to create excellent environments and ministry and stuff for your kids and all the different things we do in our city. It's God's plan. So it supports that. That's why I do it. When I tithe... It, it grows my faith. It helps me, by trusting God in this area, it helps me trust God in, in bigger things. So tithing shows me that, you know what? When I trust God with the first part, he can bless this part. The, it, it goes, this is a lot better with God's blessing than this without it. 
So when I tithe, I see, okay, God, you've been faith, you've helped me with this. It helps me trust you in bigger things. And there's a lot of bigger things that I need to trust God for. It brings supernatural blessings. Now, we've been spending five weeks, six weeks talking about this. I didn't say this. God said it. He will bless you financially. He will bless you relationally. He will bless your family. He will bless your employees. He will bless what you put your hands to. He will protect the stuff that you have. He will bring opportunities to you that you didn't expect. You can't give to God, put him first, walk in obedience, and not expect to be blessed. You just can't do it. It's, it's impossible. God is a good God. It's not the purpose of tithing, but you better believe that if you put this to work in your life, you're going to see God do it. He said, this is the one you can test me in. But here's the main reason. is because to not do it would be to limit what God wants to do in me, through me, and for me. Why do I tithe? I don't want to limit God. And are there blessings to it? Of course there is. We spend a lot of time talking about receiving. But the reality is, to not do it limits what God can do in me, what God can do through me, and what God can do for me. Now, this is true of any place where God has given an instruction and we fail to obey him, but it's especially true in this area. And I know it sounds crazy to think that you could limit God, but you know this is scriptural. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus went back to his hometown. He wanted to do some miracles. He cared for the people, but they didn't honor him. And you know what Jesus said? It says that he could not do any mighty work. He was able to do some things. He couldn't do the big things. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. Why? Because they didn't honor him. A lack of belief. And so I'm just trying to set that up because my heart for you is I want God to fulfill his will in your life. I want him to work through you. I, I want him to move in your life. I want you to experience the fullness of what God has to offer. And when you don't, you are limiting what God can do. And I'm not saying that as a, I'm trying to put something on you. I'm just trying to paint the picture. You're, you're not under a curse if you don't tithe. But can I say on the other side of it that the absence of the blessing of God is like a curse? Let me explain what I mean. You're not under a curse if you don't pray. I would not want to go through this life without prayer. Prayer makes some things available to me that aren't available to me other ways. You're not under a curse if you don't read your Bible. But man, to not read your Bible, you are limiting what God can do. It's like a curse because God can't speak to you. He can't strengthen you in the ways that he could. So you're not under a curse if you don't tithe. I'm just saying you're limiting. It's, you're missing out on, on what God has for you. So let me talk about some of these reasons why, why people don't. And the first one I mentioned is they don't feel like they can. They don't feel like they can. Uh, I will acknowledge that to do this, to give God the first 10%, that is a big realignment and readjustment of priorities. Understandably, admittedly. I'll tell you, I think that's okay. I, I think it's okay to say, if I'm going to, like you're not going to stumble your way into this. To do this, you will have to be intentional, and it is going to cause you to say what really matters in my life, and, and I'm going to have to reorient. I, I get that. But I also want to just acknowledge, okay, 
if you're in a financial hardship, you feel like you're not able, could I just tell you, I would encourage you to take a step to get some financial counseling. Here's why. Anytime we want, anytime we're not winning in an area, I think we should destigmatize counseling. Like, if your marriage isn't what you need it to be, I would encourage you to get marriage counseling. If you're dealing with anxiety and have mental health issues, I would encourage you to get some counseling, right? If, if you're noticing something in your body, your body's not working right, you go to a doctor, you get some counseling. So if we do this in other areas, and not even just when things are wrong, but when we want to improve, right? If you want to, gr- like, take your fitness to the le- next level, you go to a, phys- a fitness trainer. You get some counseling. If you have some investments, but you want to do better, you go to a financial advisor. Why? You get some counseling. So I'm just trying to say that if you feel like you're not winning financially, if you're not healthy, if, you don't, if you're right now in a financial hardship, you don't have enough money to pay your bills, you have a lot of debt, credit card debt, could I suggest to you as your pastor, it would be a good idea to get some financial counseling. And if that's you, if you say, I need help, I'm not winning this area, if you contact us, we will set you up with some free financial counseling to help you get this area healthy in your life, okay? Because I want to help you. Now, as much as that's true, could I also gently push back and say, if you feel like you're just financially able, I want to challenge you gently with this. If you came to me and you said, Pastor, my marriage isn't what it should be, would you pray for me? Can you help me? What would I do? I'd look at some scriptures that talk about how to have, what does the Bible say about your marriage? What does the Bible say you need to, how should you treat your husband, how should you treat your wife? Let's look at what the Bible says. If you came to me and said, Pastor, I'm dealing with anxiety, will you pray for me, can you help me? I would point you to scriptures that talk about what the Bible says about anxiety in your mind and what to do in these situations. If you came to me and you had a, a situation in your body, you needed healing, what would I do? I'd take you to scriptures that talk about healing. So if you came to me and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling financially, do you know what I would do? I would take you to these scriptures that we looked at and say, what does the Bible say about prospering? It says, are you honoring God with your first and best? In fact, we believe in this so much, we help a lot of people. People uh, come to us for, we call it compassion requests, and they fill out a form when they need financial assistance. One of the questions on there is, do you have a local church you attend? Not do you attend Velocity, do you have a local church you attend? And then, sometimes they don't, but if they do, the next question is, do you tithe? Why? Because it's God's wisdom and God's principle for prospering. So, if I'm asking this of somebody in financial hardship, I just want to say don't write yourself off. And another, just side note, anytime somebody comes to me for counseling, and I, I don't do a lot, probably do a lot less after this, but anytime somebody comes to me for counseling, <laughs> I always ask them this question, are you tithing? Whether it's a marriage issue, whether it's an anxiety issue, why? Because if you're not trusting God in this area, I'm not convinced you're going to trust him in the stuff that I give you. Okay, so I'm just trying to help you understand why I do it and why we talk about this. But let's talk about trust. Because maybe you're here and um, the reason you don't is because you don't 
trust the church. I, I think there's maybe two reasons with this. One would be motives. The other would be management. I don't trust the church motives. This is what I hear sometimes. All the church wants is your money. Okay, if, if you've thought that, said that, I don't know that that argument holds up. And here's why. All Target wants is your money. All Starbucks wants is your money. We don't have any problem with that. Let's, okay, yeah, but those are for-profit businesses. Churches, not, okay. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of nonprofits, be on the board, support them. I don't know any nonprofit that would not boldly say, yes, we want your money. Why? Because they believe in the mission. What they're doing matters. Okay, but I can't speak for every, every church. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's wrong motives. I'm sure there are. Let me just speak for this church. I'm the pastor. Let's speak for this church. I want way more than your money. I want way more than your money. I want your involvement. I want you in a group. I want you on a team. I want your life and your heart inclined towards the things of God. I want your time. I want your family here. I want your friends here. I want you in ministry. I want way more than your money. Is money a part of it? Yes, because we have a mission. But that's not, no, I want way more than that, way beyond that. So I don't know that the motive holds up. Management, sometimes people say, I just, I don't trust the way they're spending money. I don't, I don't like it. Okay, so let me speak two ways to this, biblically and practically. As a pastor, biblically, I have never seen in Scripture where not trusting the management of something is a reason not to give. When God talks about the tithe, he says, but if they're not using it correctly, then don't give it. In fact, there were times in Scripture where the priests and the Levites were not being operating with integrity with the offering. God didn't say don't give it because they're not being in integrity. You know what he did? They died. <laughs> so I was saying, staff, right? You guys better be, make sure you're operating with integrity. <laughs> but So I've never seen in Scripture, if they're not doing something, if they're not managing it well, as a reason not to give. God doesn't give an out for that. That means biblically. However, practically, practically, I think you should trust the place where you're giving to. I don't think that's too much to ask. I think you should trust it. And um, what I would tell you just for us as a church, if I could say this humbly, I'm really proud of how we handle finances here at this church. At minimum, once a year externally, our finances are, so we have an outside group that reviews our finances minimum once a year, externally. Internally, we, we have people that are part of this church here that approve the budgets, that, uh, that uh, view all the spending, ask all the questions. And, and I would just tell you, if, there's, if you ever have a concern, ask. Ask. You can talk to Pastor Jacob. You should put his email on the screen. Set up an appointment with him. Talk, talk to anybody on our pastor's council, all right, who, who reviews the stuff. We have external controls and internal controls. We've got nothing to hide about how we spend money. In fact, I asked Pastor Jacob to just put, hey, drop a, a percentage of how our spending has been this year. So this is what our spending has looked like this year. Facilities, 
This is a big building. Honestly, that's a little higher. I mean, that's really good, but that's a little higher than we predicted. There were a lot of unexpected things. I mean, a, a lot. We had an $18,000 plumbing thing. Some of you here when the AC, all, like all, there's a lot, you know? It's a little higher. Um, you know, ministry operations, 19%, administration, 12%, or, or personnel is 24%. Here's one thing I'm, I'm happy with. So ministries and our missions and outreach, understand this is the mission, but that's stuff that goes outside of what we do. So that is a higher percentage than last year. Percentage-wise, it's higher than last year. And we've had, you know, big, we, this is a big undertaking being in here. And so I'm just trying to say, you should be able to trust where you give. And if I could go one step further, if not being able to trust us is a reason why you wouldn't tithe, I would again say very humbly, I think you should find another church. Not, I don't mean that rude, but I mean you need to be in a place that you trust. You need to be in a place that you trust the leadership and, and trust how they're handling things. So, so, so there's that. Um, then other people say, well, okay, here's, here's the deal, though. I just don't think it's biblical or it's required. And what people mean by that is, PJ, you talked about time, but you just went Old Testament, and we're in the New Testament. Jesus fulfills the law. You know, we're not under the law. That's all Old Testament stuff. We're in the New Testament. Uh, we're not under law. We're, we're under grace. And I just don't think that we need to tithe. And I would tell you, you know, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. We're not under the law. Tithing is, is not a requirement. It's absolutely not. You might not realize, though, that it is mentioned in the New Testament. It's mentioned three three sections. It's mentioned in the New Testament. Matthew, Luke, and Hebrews. Jesus, for the most part, you don't see tithing in the New Testament, but Jesus actually validated it. We'll look at one of them. Um, Matthew 23, 23 says, It will be bad for you, teachers of the law, and you Pharisees. You are hypocrites. You give God a tenth, but you don't obey the really important teachings of the law. Being fair, showing mercy, being faithful, these are the things you should do, and you should also continue to do the other things. Okay, he's talking about tithing. Let me do another translation so a little more clear. Same verse. Woe upon you Pharisees and you other religious leaders, hypocrites, for you tithe down to the last mint leaf in your garden. They're very careful to, okay, I've got to make sure I just get this all right. But ignore the more important things, justice, mercy, and faith. What did you say? Yes, you should tithe. How did you feel about tithing? Yes, you should do it. But you shouldn't leave the more important things undone. So I just want to point out, it is talked about in the New Testament. Again, under the law, under grace, Jesus said this, don't suppose I came to do away with the law and the prophets. I did not come to do away with them, but to give them their full meaning. This is why the Old Testament's in our Bible, right? We don't just live out of the New Testament. The Old Testament is there for a reason, because Jesus is the fulfillment of it. Now, I want to acknowledge, when you read the New Testament, by and large, what you see, Paul's letter to churches, this is how he talks about giving. Priority, proportional, planned, and persistent. He doesn't talk about tithing. It might be helpful to know the reason he doesn't talk about tithing. You don't know why? Because the first Christian converts were Jews, and they were already doing it. Acts talks about they worshiped in the temple and met in homes. 
And you know that they were doing it because he talks about it in Hebrews, which is a letter written to Jewish Christians. Okay. Also worth noting, for the first 300 years of Christianity, there were not church buildings. So the way they worshipped, they would gather in the temple and they would gather in homes. The Jewish Christians were tithing, and so Paul talks about giving a percentage following that pattern. But he does talk about it, he talks about it in Hebrews. He writes a whole chapter in Hebrews chapter 7 on tithing. Not with encouragement to do it, because they were already doing it. Not with a reason to stop doing it, you don't need to do it because we're not under the law. No, he didn't say that. He just tries to connect that what they're doing is unto Jesus. It's not under the law, it's unto Jesus. He talks about Melchizedek, talks about, here's a picture of Jesus, this is what he says, Hebrews 7, 8. Here, tithes are received by mortal men, talking about the priests, but there, by one whom it is testified that he lives. He's talking about Melchizedek, and then in chapter 8, verse 1, he says, this is the point of what we're talking about. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne, the majesty in heaven. He's trying to say, just like Melchizedek, Jesus is our high priest. So he's wanting to say, tithing isn't something you do under the law, it's something you do unto Jesus. Last thing I want to talk about, a lack of agreement in marriage. Again, I'm talking to people who are Christian, who love God. I want to acknowledge that for different reasons, sometimes we, we don't see eye to eye on money. And I want you to hear my heart as your pastor. I want you to have unity in your marriage. I want you to be seeking and serving God together. And what I would tell you is I really believe that this is an opportunity when we, when we give God the first to have more alignment in your marriage. I gave a message a long time ago called Love Triangle as a series. And the whole point was that there, there's really three involved in a marriage. There's, there's a husband, wife, and then there's God. And as you seek God together, what happens? You're becoming closer. You're becoming closer. So I, I want to acknowledge, Marissa and I do not see eye to eye on money all the time. There's sometimes where she thinks something's important, I don't. There's sometimes I think something is important, she doesn't. But you know what? When there is something that she expresses matters to her, I, I want to do what I can to make that happen. And same thing, when, when there's something to say, babe, this is really important to me, she wants to do what she can to make that happen. And all I would tell you is that giving the tithe could be a way, because God sets the standard, could be a way to actually bring you closer, to actually put you on the same page financially, to, to actually create more oneness and more alignment in your marriage. Now, if you're here and your spouse is not a Christian, first of all, what I would tell you is my heart goes out to you and I pray for you and more than your giving, more than your tithing, what I would want to see is that you guys are serving God together, that you have a oneness of knowing Jesus. And that's why when we do things like Christmas and movies or when we do things like our Christmas Eve service, I would say, hey, how I would advise you, Pastor, what I want for Christmas is for you to come to church with me. What, what I'm, I, I want you to know God like I do. So for me, it's not about giving and tithing, but I would also just suggest that, that maybe, maybe if the Holy Spirit this resonates with you, maybe 
God could even use this to soften their heart towards the things of, of God, to where you say, hey, this is important to me. I believe in this. It's important for me. These reasons that we went through, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Maybe God could use it to open their heart towards the things of God. Maybe. So that, that's that in a nutshell. I told you I wanted to help, help you with some of this who you feel like, again, there's no pressure, but you feel like, Pastor, you've talked about this. I want to I know how to take this up. I wanted to do it, but I'm scared to do it. I want to do it, but it just I don't know how. On your seat back in front of you, there should be one of these cards called the Tithe Challenge. And it references Malachi 3.10. This is what that says. It says, I, the Lord All-Powerful, am the Lord All-Powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. So this is not me. This is God. God says, I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. This is what the tithe challenge is. If you wanted to take the step, but you're scared, I would just say this. As we go into 2023, I would ask that you pray about it. Seek God. He's leading you to do this. If you want to take this challenge, put God first, the first 10%. If you don't see what God promised, move in your life, blessing after blessing, if you can't point to the fact that God has been faithful, after 90 days, all the instructions are on here, we'll give everything back to you. No questions asked. It's not, this isn't some gimmick. This isn't like me trying to manipulate something. I'm trying, I'm trying to help you take a step. I, wanna, I want you to experience the goodness of God in this area. I want you to know God as Father. Now, there's going to be some of you that would say, okay, I, I really want to. I just, I cannot do that in that place yet. I'm just not there. I get it. Not everybody's there. I would, I would give you another challenge. Um, I would ask, could you get to the point where you are trusted? I would call it being a partner, not a tither, but being a partner. Could you begin to trust God by supporting the work of this ministry at $200 a month? Here's why. Why, why just a flat number? Well, the average household income in Lawrence is $60,000 a year. $60,000 a year is $5,000 a month. $5,000 a month, the tithe on that would be $500. And if you were paid on the 1st and 15th, your tithe, every time you get paid, would be $250. So that would be a tithe. I'm just saying, basically, 4%. Could you, could, you, could you make the effort to be a partner with this ministry at a $200 a month level? And for some of you, like if you're on a fixed income or if you're a college student, $200 might be more than what you're tithed. In that case, I would encourage you to tithe, to start there. But I wanted to just try and set a level, not to put pressure, but to give you a goal to shoot for. As we go into this next year, you're going to, those of you who give, you're going to get your, your giving statement and you're going to see what you gave. You're also going to have your taxes and know how much you got paid. And I would just ask you to look at, am I trusting God in this area? I want to encourage you to trust God in this area because I don't want you to limit what God can do in you, through you, and for you. I want you to change the fullness of what God has for you. I want you to know God is Father, who loves you, cares for you, and he'll be powerful.